Hey, do us a favor. If you like listening to the show, please just take a few minutes, not even a few minutes, one minute to go into Apple Podcasts and rate and review the show. I love when I have like something burning to talk about where I'm just, you know, something that's always on my mind. That's, that's always fun. But then there's all, there's the times like this week where I'm like, Oh, what have I, you know, like, I feel like I've been all over the place. What have I been focused on? Is there one central thing? So I always sit down usually the day of before we record and try to like brainstorm like things. And then usually within five minutes, I find something and I'm like, oh, okay. So I dig into a little bit more and I'm like, oh, okay. I'm really into this idea now. So that's always like a fun adventure where it's like, you know, sometimes I think we are like, um, like our brains are like butterfly nets sometimes, you know, we're just uh, grabbing stuff and you don't know what you have till you look in the net and you're like, oh, I I grabbed that. I guess I grabbed that. I didn't realize that. Sure. So this comes from, uh, there's an article on Farnham Street. I've mentioned Farnham Street before. Highly, highly recommended website for reading about mental models and thinking and uh, that kind of that kind of writing. Mm-hmm. He also has a, a really good podcast as well. I think it's called uh, Knowledge Project. And this article is called "Do Something Syndrome." And essentially, you know, I'm just going to read the quote, and then you'll understand. So he says, "Movement offers shelter from failure." When you're in motion, you feel like you're doing something. We convince ourselves that as long as we're in motion, we can't fail. As long as we're doing something, anything, failure can't really find us. So that's kind of the idea that I wanted to talk about. I want to talk about this idea of something we've touched on before with busy work, but go beyond that. You know, like this idea of like, do something, always be doing something because, you know, we fool ourselves into thinking that that's progress. And sometimes it's just being on a treadmill. Sure. Totally. I have perfect and tangible examples of that too. Go for it. That's what you're here for, man. Um, so I, he, so, you know, I work in, I work in the world of golf um, and I'm pretty neck deep. I'm also pretty obsessive about the game and the, the fundamentals of the game, all this kind of stuff. Right. And I hear people come to me and, and say all the time, you know, Hey lamb, I practice, you know, 10, 20 hours a week and I don't seem to get any better. I just keep practicing and practicing and practicing and I don't feel like I'm making any progress. Um, even though I feel like I should be, you know, I feel like with the amount of work that I'm doing and the amount of time and dedication I put in, um, that I should be getting better. And my retort always to that is you could, you could work 80 hours a week at the wrong thing and you're still not going to get any better because you're doing the wrong damn thing. Mm-hmm. And you're and you're just reinforcing the bad habit over and over and over and over again to the point where trying to make progress actually becomes progressively more difficult because you're so locked in the habit of bad. That's, that's where um, people misunderstand that 10,000 hours thing with uh, Malcolm Gladwell, mm-hmm. which he, I think at this point, because it's been so screwed up, he wishes he never wrote it. Sure. Um, I think it was in Outliers. That was the book that it was in. But what he says in there is deliberate practice. Yes. And that's very, very different. Um, a violinist can just kind of play around with the violin or 
that can have a purpose. Like I okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna learn all of all of Bach. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I need to learn, okay, for focus on today. I'm gonna do four hours, just I gotta get that part right. That kind of practice is very different than I played for four hours. And I can give a, a very good example of that. I've been playing guitar since I was like thirteen or fourteen, and I'm forty-two now. So I'm not very good. You know why I'm not very good? I don't have a deliberate practice. I sure. never I never in really was like I mean, I think when I was first starting, I wanted to be, you know, like a rock star or something like that. We all do at a certain age, I think. Uh at least people that like music. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was always just it's just fun to play around on the guitar. I never really had a purpose to it other than it that was the purpose. It is genuinely and purely a hobby. But mm-hmm. because of that, I'm probably never gonna be in a band. Because I don't know how to jam with people, really. I don't know how to write a song. I don't know how to perfect a Led Zeppelin solo because I never, I never cared to do that. Sure. So it's, it's a very different thing. But what I find interesting about what he says here about this movement thing that goes beyond what we're already talking about is that first sentence, that movement offers shelter from failure. So beyond even like not practicing deliberately or not focusing on something deliberately or paying attention to the deliberate purpose of our actions, we can actually use this idea of movement as a place to hide. So you can... We'll go back to the violin. You can play the violin for four hours every day without mm-hmm. purpose but never really challenge yourself. Um, kind of, well, my guitar example is perfect. I never challenged myself, really. I didn't want to do anything with it, but if I wanted to be a great guitar player and I was afraid of failing, then I could hide in just playing around. And it's quite possible that over the years that I've played guitar, that maybe that transition happened for me. Mm-hmm. That it became, it was, I used it as a place to hide because I was afraid of being made fun of for not being a good player. And then it just became that pure hobby, which I appreciate now. But maybe that's how that transition happened, is that I was hiding from some that challenge. Hmm. Interesting. I'm trying to I'm trying to I'm trying to process that and, and try to figure out if I have tangible examples in my own life. I probably do. People do it with work all the time. Sure. You know? Like, um, well, I have this. Well, if you're self-employed, I have this client that I can make so much money off of, but the project's going to be really hard. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get back. I'm gonna write that proposal to them tomorrow. But you know what I'm gonna do today? I, I think I, I, before I do that, I really need to rearrange this filing cabinet. Hmm. And then tomorrow comes when you're supposed to write the proposal, and you go, you know, I didn't do laundry yet this week. I can't. I have to have underwear. Oh, just pure avoidance. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and so you're using movement. You know, I'm doing something, but you're using that movement as a shelter from failure. Sure, that's that's kind of where I'm going with it because I I think that definitely I can see that in myself. Well, I feel like I've been I feel like I've been doing that for 38 years. Um, Well, no, that's not true because as a baby, I didn't have any conscious thought of this. But pretty much as an adult, um, up until I discovered the politics thing, I felt like I I feel like I've really just been doing busy work without any true direction or purpose. And now that I have the very clear goal of doing stuff in politics, my I feel like I'm playing catch up in a lot of ways because I feel like over time I've just not done the things that I've needed to to achieve 
the the skill set that I need or the connections that I need in order to do what I want to do in politics. Um, but no, I definitely like, you know, I've done so many things in my life. Like I've constantly busy, like there's never a point in my life where I'm not busy doing something. Mm-hmm. Um, but up until the last like two and a half, three years, um, it was, it, I, I'm only consciously realizing this now, of course, like in the, in the span of time in which I was doing these things, I actually thought I was doing a lot, but it turns out I, I wasn't doing shit. I can definitely from, from an outside perspective, when you say that, I can see how that could happen within in specific case of for you, for example, because in, in a lot of ways, you're a jack of all trades. Oh, I did a little bit of that. Oh, I did a little bit of that. Oh, I've done a little bit of that. Oh, sure. I've done a, But you just did a little bit of each of those things. So you were continually moving, but you weren't necessarily progressing. Um, obviously, there were things you progressed on like photography and golf. But I mean, you know, like... Uh, things that we've talked about before, like you did acting for a little while, but then you didn't do acting anymore and you did something else. And, you know, like any, any little pursuit that you've had that we've talked about that you've done, but they kept you busy. Mm-hmm. Definitely. They, they weren't uh, a projection. And like, for me, I, I'm the same way, you know, like uh, the guitar I've said multiple times in this episode already. At, at times I definitely, one of the places I'm the most guilty of this is with writing. Mm. Is when you are always tooling at a piece, always editing something, always chipping away at something, you know, never getting to the end, you're hiding. Sure. When you, because once it's done, then it has to, you know, you got to do something with it. So you have to now, all of a sudden, when it's done, now the vulnerability begins. So the way to avoid the vulnerability is to continually be writing and editing. There's also the external social component to that too, as well. Mm. Um, what I mean by that is, you know, like lately, for example, over the last like year, I've been playing piano a lot more, mm-hmm. uh, but only in the last like two and a half, maybe three months, have I really started saying I want to get better at piano. And those are two very different things. Like just playing piano and getting better at piano are two two very very different tasks. Oh yes. Um, and I, it's like your guitar thing, right? Like I finally now have decided that I'm going to get better. And so because of that, I'm, I'm doing exercises and things. And I, it, it turns out that my fundamentals actually kind of suck. <laughs> and that I haven't been working very hard at getting the techniques down that I need to to, to fly on a piano like I want to. And, and only in, in really making that choice, am I starting to discover how lackluster my, my practice regimen is to, to, you know, I could sit there and play for six hours. I mean, I'm applying all of these same philosophies that I apply from golf back to, 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 um, you know, music. And actually the, the golf thing actually was fairly instrumental in me figuring this out. Um, I'm now suddenly realizing that I just, I just don't, I don't practice with purpose at all on piano. I just sit down and tinker and, Mm -hmm. Now that I am practicing with purpose, I realize what I'm lacking, and it's exciting when I get better at something. Yeah, I mean, for enjoyment, obviously, both of us on our instruments playing around, great, fantastic, wonderful. But when we do that, the reason for people listening, obviously, you know this because you just said it, I'm restating in a different way. When you do that, the reason that you don't get any better really is because when you just tinker around and you just kind of like, you know, people love to say they're jamming with themselves, which mm-hmm. isn't really it's not the a opposite thing. meaning of that word. Yeah. But <laughs> uh, what you're really doing is you're you're sliding into your, into your comfort zone. So you're playing stuff that comes easy to you. You're not literally you're not really challenging yourself 
you might be challenging yourself a little bit here and there, but because you're not taking it seriously, you go, oh, whatever, and you just move on when you mess up or whatever. I know I do it. And yep. so you're not really progressing because you... It's something we talked about. I didn't even put this on the piece of paper that I have for all the notes. Surprisingly, the one word that's not anywhere on this paper is the word challenge. Huh. But no that is the difference, right? Challenge. Oh, of course. Yeah. Because if, if you can already do it, then it's not a challenge. Exactly. And, and that's what playing around is. And, and the only way you get better is challenge. I think a long time ago, we talked about this idea of the moment that you get when you're, when you're doing something, the moment you get uncomfortable, the moment you feel like, I'm not too good at this. I'm not comfortable with this. That's the moment when you actually learn. Mm-hmm. Every point before that, you're not learning. You're just kind of swimming in what you already know. It's a it's a tough precipice though, right? Like I mean, because every, you know, if you're doing any of this stuff for any length of time, like if you pick a pursuit that you really love, then at some point you have to make that that choice, the point of no return, where you're like, okay, I really want to get better at this now, and it's hard to accept that you suck at something. And it's not even to say that you, you suck at it. And like with me with piano, for example, right? I'm just not as good as I thought I was, right. and and I have to come to terms with that and really dig deep and and ask the first thing is I have to ask myself the question, do I want to get better at this? Because if I want to, it's going to require time and effort that I'm not currently putting in. What is that going to look like? And then yeah. after that, once you do decide that you want to get better at something, like, you know, I, I take the analogy from golf, you have to decide what part of it you have to get better at. And mm-hmm. then you have to create a plan to get better at it. And then there's also the question too, which is you say, do I want, do I want to get better at this? But then there's also a question of, do I have the time to get better at this? Sure. So like the, yeah, sure. The, how much do I really care about this? <laughs> like, like I, I want to learn a shitload of languages, but compared to the other things I want to do, it's lower on the list. Mm, sure. And learning languages takes a lot of time. Sure. So it, that thing, yes, I definitely want to do that, but not as much as I want to do everything else that's above it on the list. Sure. And that's something I think that we get confused. And that's where that, I know that I didn't even think about this at the time, but that's another way that I've hidden in that idea of movement is, oh, I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this. I never considered rankings. So Mm -hmm. I never made anything a priority necessarily. So it's like, yes, I want to learn. We'll say, I want to make sure that I learn more in French than I learned in high school. So I'm going to, I'm going to do Duolingo and I want to get better at the guitar and I want to write and I want to read more. And, and I've done this before and I put all of these things on my list for the day. Make sure you do this for at least a half hour. Make sure you do this for an hour. What ends up happening is nothing because I'm not putting in enough deliberate practice into a smaller group of things. So I don't actually make any meaningful progression. And so if you're doing like seven things, but you're only doing a half hour of each of them every day, it's going to take you like 40 years to get to the point where you want to be with all of those things. So sometimes what you have to do is go, okay, these three and those other ones, whenever I have time and I feel like screwing around, I'll do those. Mm -hmm. I need to put three hours into this today. I need to put four hours of of practice into the guitar tomorrow. And like, you have to treat it like a job kind of, huh? Oh, absolutely. But I will say that there is something that you can... You, you, so, so I agree with you on almost everything that you're saying, but you have to give yourself ways to take breaks from it. Otherwise, you're going to hate it. Oh, yeah. That's the, for me, it's the weekends. 
I, oh sure. It, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So you're so this is literally you taking a like it's it's a true weekend where you're taking a break from all the things that you're doing. Mm-hmm. I haven't worked up to what I really want, which is to be a tech free weekend. That when my weekends come, I just dump all my devices into a drawer and go my weekend. That's a dream. But you know, like podcast stuff, I don't do shit for the podcast on the weekend anymore, with one exception. If for some reason I haven't been able to edit the episode. Mm-hmm before the end of the day, Friday. Mm. Then I will take some time and do that. Other than that, sorry, don't, not going to happen. And yeah, I, definitely, I definitely wish I had that wisdom earlier. I definitely drove myself to hate some of the things that I did. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a way we can use that, that movement too, because I, we can use too much movement, you know, too, much, uh, too much action, because we know it will burn ourselves out. And sometimes we burn ourselves out on purpose. Mm-hmm. Sure. Like, oh, I know I'm going to give myself this strict schedule because I'll feel good about myself for having tried this strict schedule, but I know I won't have to keep it up very long. Let's be honest. You people do that with the gym memberships every January. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, I'm going to go to the gym every day. And then it's, I'm going to go to the gym every week. And then it's like, mm, I guess I'll just pay that and then cancel it. <laughs> <laughs> but that that's about right. But you're taking those things on with the knowledge that you're going to burn out because you set yourself up with too much. And you know that. Maybe not on a, a, a super conscious level, but you know it. Like but I think, I, think something, I think something that people have to be conscious of when they're talking about this kind of thing, though, is that you have to, for lack of a better way of saying it, I feel like tension is a killer. And when you create tension with the thing that you're supposed to be because we're talking about passionate pursuits, right? Like with photography for me, for example, in my um, mid to late 20s, when I was literally doing it 12, 15 hours a day, um, you, you, there's, there's, at a certain point, you reach critical mass. Um, and you have, to, you have to not feel that way about it. And the moment you feel that way about it, you have to take a step back and look at it again. Yeah, there's a, there's a delicate balance, which is very hard. Sometimes you have to ping pong between the two until you find the sweet spot, but it's between mm-hmm. challenge and chore. Yes. Once something great, becomes a, a chore, you're actually, Yeah, <laughs> dude, then you're screwed. There's nothing you can do at that point. That's a great way of putting it, actually. And that's, that's literally when I would put like those, I'm going to do these things every day. What I was doing was giving myself things that were going to be chores in a month. Mm. Because it was so strict of a schedule. I don't know if you remember this, but this was a long time ago before this podcast. Uh, there was this app that I had told you about that was kind of like a timer. So it would go like... Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was like a continuous timer for the whole day. So it'd be like, bing. And then when that thing would end, you know, say it was a a one-hour thing, and then it would go off, and then it would be like 10 minutes. And I'd take a 10-minute break, and then it would go bing, and then I'd have to jump into something else. And each of those timers had had a name, you know, like for the task. And I would just jump between those all day. And I was super productive for a pretty good amount of time. We'll say two weeks, maybe. But then I just fried mm. because I had no control of my day. I'll try sure. to find out. I don't even know if that app exists anymore since you know Apple did that uh, when they changed, when they upped the, the bit requirements for apps. Some apps did not come into the modern into modern apps. So it might not be available anymore. I think it was called... I totally remember what you were talking about though because I, I started using it for a while and I felt the same way about it, but I didn't have the heart to tell you that I hated it. <laughs> it was something with numbers. It was like 30... Yeah, yeah, yeah. 30, 10 or 20, 40, you know, something like that. I don't remember. Yep, yep. 
If I can find it, it'll be in the show notes. If not, then you guys will know that I have no idea. I'm doing show notes a little bit differently. Um, I'm going to go back and redo all the show notes for all the old episodes too. What I'm trying to do is... uh, Sorry, guys. Tangent, but this is a good time to say it. Uh, I'm going to put time markers so you have a general idea of where topics... You know, these shorter episodes that we've been doing probably won't be as much as the two, two and a half hour episodes we did before. But you know, if we talk about fear for like thirty minutes, I'm gonna, you know, I'll put the point to time that it starts. Then when it jumps to another topic, I'll put that time, and then all the links will be in order of the topics, so that you can actually follow the show notes along. And mm-hmm. there will be any any quotes that I think were interesting in there will be in the show notes too. So, anyways, not busy work, by the way. That is not busy work. I think that's a something that finally hit me where I'm like, oh, that would be useful. So let's do that. Uh, one of the things that I've written here that I think definitely plays in here that we can spin off of for a second is the famous Steve Jobs quote, real artist ship. And I think that that was his way of saying like, sure, you can tinker at it forever, but if you never put it out, you didn't make a damn thing. Mm-hmm. Sure. And Absolutely. That's, and that's what we have to remind ourselves of too. Like, there has to be an end goal. Mm-hmm. You know, like you want to get better at piano. That doesn't mean shit. Mm-hmm. You have to define that. You know, like I want to be able to play this. And then sure. when you're able to play that, then you go, I want to be able to play this. Uh, because it gives you a... Def- we, we talked about this, what, was that three episodes ago? Something like Something that? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, go back and listen to the last five episodes, guys. <laughs> well, I feel like I feel like everything that we talk about, especially... Yeah, God, it's, it, it's all part of one giant episode to me. Yeah, it's um, one conversation that's been going on for three years. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like I feel like all of these things are related. Even the artist profiles we did, all of the stuff that we did, uh, uh, you know, in the previous incarnations of the show, everything's kind of been leading towards this. And I feel like every time we have one of these conversations, we get better at defining a very specific aspect of it. And right. I think that the the busy the busy work aspect that you're talking about now is something that I think I've always subconsciously known and only recently consciously been aware of in my own life. So it's it's kind of weird that you're you're that we're talking. I don't know why I didn't think to bring it up at some other point before in a, another episode, but it's definitely something that I've consciously thought. Um, you know, in the last six months of my life, when I'm making these huge sweeping changes in what I do and where I think I, my the trajectory of my life is going, um, you know, I've, ha- I've I've actually had to consciously think about. You know, you have only so many hours in a day, and it's the only resource that you can't get back. So. What is that time being used for, and is it improving upon the thing that you're trying to improve upon? Right. You have to. You have to split your brain in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, shit, this comes from something. Wow. This is from something I read a while ago. I don't remember what it was, but it was something along the lines of: you have to split your brain into two jobs. There's the boss, and then there. Oh, you know what it was? Is there's the founder and there's the worker. That's, mm. that's what the, the original thing was. But I'm going to put it this way. There's the boss and there's the employee. And the employee is the one that does the work, right? The employee is the one that says, well, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to do this. The boss is the one that goes, why are you doing that? Or am I, am I paying this guy to do that? You know, like, why am I paying this guy to do that when he should be doing this? Because that's going to give us make us more money. Or in the case of personal improvement we're talking about it's going to give us more progress sure and so you have to sometimes you have to switch on the boss hat and look at everything and go hmm that's a waste of time 
Because that's not getting us anywhere. You don't have to be anal about everything. You know, sometimes we do things, you know, like you said with the break, sometimes we do things that don't move us anywhere, but it's sharpening the saw. And, sure. and you know, it's like employees. Employees get time off. You know, you can't work your employees 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and expect to get anything out of them. They'll be dead. Sure. Ask Apple. Yeah. Ooh, we burn. Sorry. We dig ourselves as Netflix is more like it. And they're even worse. Yeah, true. Good point. My cousin works on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Mine too. Wouldn't it be funny if it was the same cousin? Like, <laughs> Dad? <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit's getting weird. Cool. You know, one of the other ways that we have this progress, this movement that I wrote down, I'm going to use one specific one, but uh, I would say in general, social media. But the specific one I'm going to say is Instagram. Mm. That people spend so much time on their Instagram that it's really not getting them anywhere. And it's it's actually wasting time away from the thing that they're trying to promote. Uh, for example, if you are a musician and you spend more time doing Instagram stories than you do writing songs, you're not going anywhere. Sure. Maybe, I know a few of those. <laughs> maybe it's funny when we get into the, the creative fields, how hard it is to, you know, how easy it is for those lines to blur. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you thought about it like a job, you're like, well, I spent all day today doing Instagram stories, but I didn't do any of my work. Sure. And you would feel good about yourself? No, you know you're going to get fired. Yeah, no, it's garbage. Yeah, absolutely. You have unless to unless your job is to specifically curate an Instagram account. Mm-hmm. Which is becoming rare and rare, more rare and rare of a job. Rarer yeah, is a hard word to use in a sense. Rarer. It sounds like I'm, I'm doing like some terrible, like I'm making fun of an Asian accent. <laughs> Awful. Um, but that that I, I I obviously have that tendency too. I think we all do because social media is bent in that way to mm-hmm. make us feel that way. But you have to remember, like, oh, I'm promoting this thing. Well, if you don't have the thing you're promoting, if you're not working on the thing you're promoting, all you're doing is, like I said earlier, you're running on a treadmill. Yep, sure. You're, you're sweating and you're moving, but you're not getting anywhere. <laughs> you're still in the same spot. You're still in the same room. Sure. Or like those stationary bikes that everybody used to ride in the 80s, you know? I guess they do now, Soul Cycle Home. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, in the moment, though, it's hard to see it. You know what I mean? I, I know I've been guilty of that. You know, I, as much as I think I'm being productive in, in, in the final analysis, I know that I'm not being. But it's hard to see that in the moment. And that actually brings me to sort of the, we'll call this act two. <laughs> <laughs> Segway. Um, no, it's 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 just a different part of this topic. But it's it's another bullet that I had was this is something that a way that I've wasted time a lot, especially when it comes to this podcast, is I've spent a lot of time trying to think of inventive ways to fit things together. Now, hmm. for example, you know, like how does how does the Instagram function in relation to this and. All, all valid questions, you know, like, uh, well, if I if I have a blog on this website, but then the episodes are over on this website, you know, all of those things are, very, like I said, very important questions. But the way that I've wasted time with those is by, I'm going to read that sentence I wrote again, because I think the words are perfect. Spending time puzzling 
for inventive ways to fit things together. And what that means is I'm spending a lot of time forcing the issue, mm. trying to think of inventive ways. So in other words, I have this and I have this and I don't know how they work together. So let me think of 15 crazy scenarios where those two things can work together. What I should be doing instead is just working on the stuff that moves forward and letting those pieces fit themselves together organically over time. Sure. And that's a, like, for example, like I redid the website the other day. Why did I redo the website? I redid the website because without thinking about it for months, all of a sudden I was like, oh, that would be okay. Yeah. I can put this here, put this here. That looks nice. Oh. Okay, I see a difference there. Oh, that's how those fit together. That's cool. And then I just moved on. All of a sudden, like something clicked where it's like, oh, that's how the newsletter that I've been doing fits in to everything else that I've been doing. Uh, mm. And that was it. You know, it wasn't something that I had to force that, as everybody loves to say, you know, the, the square peg into the round hole. I didn't have to do that. They just kind of like all of a sudden it clicked. It was like, oh, I like doing this and I like doing this. I'm going to keep doing those. And I just kept doing them. And then over time, the connective tissue between them filled itself in. And old Chad would not have let that go. He would have kept going. Right. Because, because one of the insidious things about movement too is that you feel when you're not moving, that you're not doing anything. You know, that you're being lazy. Mm-hmm. Whereas if there's not a, you know, you don't force a movement. If there isn't a movement, then there isn't a movement. You can't force it because that's how you end up with some of the problems that I've had. So I force a movement. Okay, okay. I'm going to put this over here. I'm going to put this over here. I'm going to rename this show this and I'm going to name this this. And then like a year later, I'm like, okay, bring them back together. Rename this. It was forced because I was trying to figure it out. And by trying to figure it out requires actions, but they require actions that don't necessarily fit in an organic way. Mm -hmm. So you end up burning yourself. You know, like if you wanted to start a podcast and you don't immediately have an idea of what to call it, wait. It's a weird huh. thing to say, <laughs> but wait. It's a did, really I actually, I actually didn't expect that from you. That's weird. Well, that's I not. Have, that's not what I was expecting you to say, huh? Well, that's this, cool. This is a recent thing too, and for me, like I have, I have a lot of ideas of things that I want to do eventually. I'm not moving to make them happen right now. And it's just because all of a sudden it makes sense where I'm like, I'm focusing on this, I'm doing this, okay. Oh, eventually I will get to the point where, and I can see how all that stuff could happen. Notice I said the word could. I can see how they could happen. And I know the order. So, okay, I keep doing this and I keep doing this until that next action right there makes sense. And then I'll do that one. And then I'll continue doing all that stuff. And then when that next, the next action after that makes sense, then I'll do that one. Instead mm. of going next action, next action, next action, next action. You just end up destroying yourself. You compartmentalize yourself. Sure. You know what I think I learned it and I didn't realize it at the time is when I brought, uh, you are lamb. I almost said your name. When I brought Tom into this show as a regular, I stopped doing guest episodes. And I didn't stop doing guest episodes with the intention of never doing them again. Obviously, I've done three since Tom joined the show. Mm-hmm. 
Um, actually, maybe four. Doesn't matter. But I stopped doing them because I realized I need to focus on this. And I can't do both of those at the same time. Everything will fall apart if I do that. And through that lesson, I realized I'm like, oh, the natural progression was to bring this on. And then once that's settled, then this makes sense. And it was different than I had done things in the past because it was comfortable and it was smooth. And nothing, you know, like what we were talking about last week with marginal gains, nothing fell apart because I didn't sacrifice the entirety of the thing. I only sacrificed one small choice. Hmm. How conscious of it were you when you were doing it? Of putting, uh, of the implications? Not at all. Okay. Of the the reason that I was doing it, obviously completely conscious, but... Sure. but But the implications, obviously, no, no way. It just, it, it was actually what it was. It was probably a, I was getting a taste of burnout. So I, I learned to dial back a little bit. And I think that even goes back to uh, vlogging where I just completely burned myself out. So now I can tell when I'm about to burn out a lot better than I could back then. Yeah, but you had to do it to know. Mm-hmm. No, no, no regrets at all. When we talk about the importance of failure. I've failed a lot with all mm-hmm. the things that I've done. And every single one of them plays a very important part because I understand I have lessons that have made things make more sense. Mm -hmm. Like for example, my, my philosophy now is that I want to, I practice spontaneous planning, but delayed action. What I mean by that is if I have an idea, all I'm going to do, the only action I'm going to take on that idea is the plan. Like, oh, it could look like this and I could do this and I can do this. But then it goes away. And it's just an idea. It's just Mm. a fleshed out idea. Yeah. The action doesn't come until something seems logical. So just because I plan something doesn't mean it is an inevitable inevitable action. Which is a huge difference. A huge difference. Plus, it's really good to go through the exercise of planning things, planning out ideas and fleshing out ideas, even for stuff that you don't use. Because those are muscles and you got to work them out. Do you find that if you spend enough time with something, let's say you, 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 you do what you're talking about spontaneously, come up with the idea, but plan in, in chunks, do you rethink the idea as you do it? Do you find that you find epiphanies through the idea itself as well? Sometimes. Sometimes they're just really simple ideas, <laughs> you know. Like, oh, I want to do. I'm just going to. This is not true, but I'll make up something. Like, I want to do a podcast about fishing. There might not be anything beyond that, you know. So, like, the planning might be like, okay, if I was going to do a podcast about fishing, I might have a name. Like, oh, that's a good name, you know. Like, uh, fish suck. Good name. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I would probably host it here and then I would have a website here. And then, you know, like I have that idea and I go, okay. It's like figuratively taking it and putting it into a folder. If I ever decide that I want to use that, there it is. Next, next brain thought. Hmm. So you're not chained to the idea. You're just playing with it. It's just you, a game. Are you, are you keeping these cataloged somehow? Mm-hmm. Huh. Everything, everything... Everything that's an idea that I have goes into my day one journal. So, which if people don't know what that is, it's an app. And the reason I put it in day one, and obviously I work it out on paper, but the reason I put it into day one is because 
Like, for example, let's just go with that stupid fishing idea. <laughs> let's say that was a real idea and I had it and I had it today. So I put it in the journal for today. If I never think of it, you know, after I put it in there, then that is obviously not burning in my mind. So it's not really something that I'm going to uh, have to worry about. But in a year, when I get to August 29th, uh, 2020, that's going to pop up in my on this day thing. It's going to, oh, remember this idea you had one year ago today? And I'll have the chance to look at it again and go, is that a good idea or a shitty idea? Hmm. Right now, it's not that interesting. But maybe in four or five years, when I look at that, you know, it's going to come up every year. Maybe one of those years, all of a sudden be like, that's it. That's what I've been looking for. Hmm. Or you're just finally ready for it. Yeah, exactly. But it's a way to put it somewhere, but it resurfaces it, but it doesn't resurface it in an oppressive way. Hmm, sure. And it's searchable. So... You know, if I, I think the, I, I think the thing I really didn't understand until this year was the oppressive nature of of having ideas consume you to the point of of becoming a chore. Yeah, didn't get that. Didn't get that. I just thought activity was enough, and how I felt about said activity was unimportant, and that is the opposite of true. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's why I wanted to talk about this topic because I figured you'd have a lot of. of a lot of feelings on that. Oh yeah, man. I I I I'm on so many hamster wheels. I it it took a hard reset. Um and when I say hard reset, I mean everything had a, everything changed for me what 7 8 months ago. Um uh post breakup where I just basically rethought the whole damn thing. What I thought of the world, what I thought about relationships, what I thought about what I was doing, where I was going. I basically re rebuilt the entire thing from the ground up. And one of the important things that I realized was this specific thing that we're talking about now, which is how much I hated doing the things that I supposedly loved because I somehow turned them all into chores. Mm-hmm. And, and the thing about it too is when they become chores, you know, obviously they're like radioactive, you know, anything to do with them, but it doesn't mean they were bad ideas. Yeah, sure. You know, it's like, uh, you know, sometimes we do give ourselves bad ideas and they become chores really fast. But, you know, like meditating. Meditating is a good thing to do. But some people get a little crazy and they're like, I'm going to meditate for one hour every day. But they've never meditated before. So it becomes a chore very quickly. But meditation itself is not a bad idea. It's a very good idea. Mm-hmm. You just maybe want to work up to one hour instead of jumping in. You know, every day you might go, I'm going to meditate five minutes every other day and then start there and then let it grow from there so that it doesn't become a chore because it is still an important thing. And and the problem with burning out, that's the real... When the things become the chore, it always leads to burnout. And the problem with burning out is there's a reason we use the word burnout because we're burnt, but so are the ideas. Mm. So when you burn out, you end up usually destroying to some degree whatever it was that you were overindulging on. You know, like if, for example, going back to vlogging, vlogging is not a bad idea. You know, I I could probably do pretty good at vlogging if I continued with it. But doing it every day burned me out. 200 days editing and and filming, never having having my brain in continual like uh, surveillance mode, looking for things like, oh, film that, film that, okay, film that, yeah, and then piecing it together in my mind and creating this timeline in my mind so that when I edit later, 
burned me out, obviously. Mm -hmm. So that when I burned out, I didn't want anything to do with vlogging at all. I have an interesting perspective on that too. It's not just the the burnout factor because sometimes... How do I put this? So photography, same idea. Um, I turned it into a business and in turning it into a business, it taught me how to hate it. Mm -hmm. So it's not just a specific thing. It's how you may potentially do a certain thing too. And with photography, for example, and the creativity that, that, that leads to photography uh, being the thing that it, it means to me now, um, I very much don't like other people telling me how to do it. And the moment that happened, I started to hate it and I didn't realize it at the time. I thought, oh, cool. I get to you know pay for my life and, and make a living doing what I quote unquote love for a living only to discover that it wasn't actually what I, I loved. It was a bastardized version of it that I thought was what I loved. Um, but in, in the realizing of, of what version of it you need for yourself in order to continually be happy with it is really important as well. Right. You know, like, uh, here's an example of something that I wouldn't say I made a job of it, but actually I did. It was a job I wasn't getting paid for, which would be the original way that I did social media for the podcasts and for Holy Fool and for everything is I would, I would set these ideas like, Oh, I really like the idea of this. Like I'll use a specific example. So it's not, so intangible quotes. I like quotes. I like seeing quotes, not every day from every person that I'm following, but I like to see a good quote every once in a while in my Instagram feed. I like that, you know, like, oh, that's cool. I've always loved quotes. I used, when I was younger, I used to buy collections of quotes, you know, the books that they used to publish, just random collection of quotes. I used to buy those and just read it like it was a book. So what I used to do is I tried to, you know, like pull all these valuable quotes from I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to give me every quote on creativity I can find. And then I'm going to prep all of them. And then I'm going to put one of those out every day or something like that. Right. So it became this job factory. This quote factory. Okay. I need this app. And then when I put it in this app, I'm going to use this color. I'm going to use this font. I'm going to use this. None of these, by the way, none of these small steps are bad. It's like you said, how you do it, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. The way I had set myself up is in this factory. And then thing is, maybe quotes aren't really that popular on Instagram. So, you know, you do it and you're busting your ass for you know, two weeks or whatever doing this. And normally you get like 40 likes on something and you get like four likes for every quote you put up. Four, five, six, right? Good day, you get seven. After that two weeks, you start going, why the fuck am I doing this? Yeah, what the hell is going on? <laughs> so you're, you're, because now, and this is something we often confuse with validation, but this is actually not validation. What this is, is you get so consumed with the idea of doing this as a job or a factory that now the only way to validate your own thing is not from other people like we often talk about, but literally from what is the outcome? So you, you've literally slipped into a work mode where you go, I do this amount of work and I get six likes. Does that equate the good use of my time? No. Mm. So you get into that mode. So then you stop doing it. But I still like quotes. That's never changed. I just haven't done it for a long time. And then the other day, this is a very fresh idea. It hit me. I was One of the things I always liked 
when I used to listen to the minimalist podcast is they would um, you know, find valuable quotes that would happen in their conversation. Like, oh, that's a good thing. Let's tweet that. And they would actually say it like in the original episodes, be like, there's a tweetable moment. Oprah mm. does the same thing. And I always liked that because it was like, oh, that's cool because they're promoting their show by putting out quotes so that like people like, you know, they see that quote, they go, I like that idea. Oh, these guys talk about that. That's a really good way to promote the show. Never, never thought about that. Anything beyond that other than that's really cool how they do that. And then it hit me the other day where I'm like, there's a lot of stuff in older episodes that's just sitting there that, you know, there's there's, the email that this um, Farnham street article came to me in was written, I think in, a couple months ago. And what they were saying in the email was usually at this time of the year, the guy writes at least one article a week. And he has, I mean, it's just super, that website is just super busy. Some of the smartest people in the world read stuff on that website. And he's like, normally this time, he's like, things slow down. And what he's saying is, I'm not going to be writing new stuff right now. He's like, but just because my old articles are old doesn't mean they're not good. So what he would do is and what he was doing here was he was pulling something from the archives. Like here's an interesting thing that I wrote, you know, three years ago. So that plus the quotes from the minimalist thing, all of a sudden it clicked with me. I'm like, oh, I could pull quotes from old episodes and then I can do my quote thing and it relates to the show and it feeds right back into itself. And it just happened organically. Huh. And I'm like, okay, that's what I'm going to do. You know, it's not going to be every day. It's not going to be on a schedule. It's going to be whenever I feel like posting one, I'll post one. And then sure. that's it. And it's not a chore. It's just organic. It's natural. And it goes back to exactly where I started or where you started. And I went off on a tangent on this was how you do it, how you choose to do it. Mm-hmm. And it's, a, it's not that different from what I was doing before, but it is because of my mind. Where I'm going, oh, this is fun. I enjoy quotes. And I have no idea. I don't, I don't think we're probably going to get a lot of likes from. We don't have a ton of followers on Instagram because audio and, and Instagram aren't really like naturally symbiotic relationship. Sure. <laughs> um, but I like doing it. So I'm going to do it. And then that's it. And then that feels so nice. Well, it's I think it's a I, different I think, way. I think the thread that comes through here that, that's really important is you got to enjoy it. You know what I mean? And, and I think, I think that, that, you can enjoy it. You're not going to enjoy everything you do, obviously. You know, there are definitely things that are just work and you have to do those because that's just life and there are things you have to get through. But the, the stuff like this, the stuff that we're talking about here, if, if, you, if you can't enjoy it, then it just dies. And sooner or later, it will eventually get to the point where it just dies. Like, you know, for example, when we were doing um, messing with productivity apps, holy crap, man, at some point, it just became too much. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we were with four, five, six, seven, ten of them at a time. <laughs> yeah, the chore was like the ta- it was the, using the app itself. It's like, am I getting any of this in the stuff I'm putting in the app done? Yeah, no. exactly. Yeah, the, yeah, you're the, managing the, the app. <laughs> exactly. The productivity app becomes the chore, and that's so ass backwards. Um, and that's exactly what I was saying about Instagram. People get to that point where it's like, oh, the Instagram becomes the chore. Sure. Instead of the work that it's supposed to be promoting. Yeah, I remember I remember back at some point when I used to, you know, um, forcibly do things on Instagram. Like I need to post this number of things a day. Like this isn't just for business accounts too. I used to do this on my personal account, um, yep. which which sounds fucking crazy to me now. 
um, when I'm thinking about it. But it's definitely something that that I participated in, you know, which is I need this type of of post. I need these things in the post. Um, there, it had to be a certain level of quality and blah blah blah. God, that's exhausting. I mean, why why do it if it's going to be that much work? <laughs> I don't know who broke it. Maybe it just happened gradually over time. But there was for a while, especially with Instagram, there was an unspoken requirement that you post at least once a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, sure. I don't know anybody that posts that regularly. You know, oh, so yeah. There are some people out there that still think it's Facebook and overpost like motherfuckers. But oh yeah, sure. I don't. Yeah, I used, to, I used to be that guy, Chad. I used to post every day. Yeah. Well, so was I. I, mean, I think I, we all I, were. I'm one of those weird guys. Like I've, I have two very important rules for my own Instagram, right? Like, at least right now. Number one is I will never delete a single thing. So it's like a curated history of my life over the last eight years. Um, and number two, I will never post anything for other people. It will always be for me. Right. That's the only way you can do it. You know, it's like going back to exactly what I said about the quotes. I don't know if anybody's going to like it, but I am. You do. And every time, I, you enjoy every time I go yeah. look at the random badassery Instagram and I see those little quotes that are going to be peppered throughout, I'm going to be like, cool. I made the thing that I wanted to see in the world. You know, it's like that Gandhi quote, you know, be the change. Sure. You know, or as many people have said, write the album you want to hear. I think Metallica said that. Uh, somebody said, multiple somebody said, write the book that you want to read. Make the Instagram <laughs> you want to follow <laughs> Sure. <laughs> oh, man. That's a good way of putting it, actually. Like, I mean, I, I will say now that... I, I mean, I haven't consciously thought that uh, up until this moment. But like the Instagram that I have now is the Instagram I would follow. Like this, right. is, this is a kind of person that I would be friends with. <laughs> right. Well, there, I, have, I have a secret Instagram that nobody knows about. And I post stuff on there that it just suddenly... It's like... Actually, I only have one post on there so far. But like, for example, I always was more interested in strange titles for things because Mm -hmm. I get to that caption and I'm like, I don't have a caption. So I always used to put strange things and people would always think it was strange that I put up a strange name for something, you know, like uh, I think I put up like a black and white picture one time. This is years ago of a can of tuna. And I thought Mm -hmm. it was a cool looking picture. Nobody else in the world Thought it was a cool looking picture. <laughs> I don't remember what it was, but it was a joke about something in the picture that if you paid really, really close attention and like read something on the label of the tuna can, that it was, I thought it was funny. Mm. Nobody got that. Nobody. <laughs> but I stopped doing it because of that. That's, I don't have a personal Instagram, but that's stupid. Yeah. You know, sure. like, that's the way I do things. That's how I want to do things. I had the like the one picture. I'm not going to tell everybody what this Instagram is because I want to see what happens if nobody knows what it is. But I, I had a picture of something that I really liked. And I named it. And then I looked at it and I was like... I named it because I'm like, it kind of looks like that. It's I told before, I like taking pictures of an inanimate object. It's a photo of an inanimate object. And I looked at it and I'm like, but it made more sense if it was upside down. So I turn the picture upside down. Hmm. And then that's the picture. And I don't really give a shit because nobody knows. I, don't, I think I have zero followers. <laughs> huh. And I don't care because I'm not doing it for that. I'm literally doing it, like you said, as a place to archive something. I'm mm-hmm. literally not trying to promote it. 
Sure. Because I don't want a social, personal Instagram. I don't want that. I don't want a personal social media at all. But because of that, now all of a sudden I'm freed to just do exactly what you said. Play. Which is whatever the hell you want. Exactly. That's a good lesson. It's so liberating though, isn't it? Like, I mean... It's it's so weird how I've been on Instagram for God eight years now I think, and I didn't realize how to have fun with it. And and this is by the way not just eight years of my own personal account, but eight years of like twenty different business accounts, like a couple so many It's ridiculous. <laughs> Instagrams I curate is shocking, um, but I didn't I didn't have fun with it until now. And and it's not even that I didn't want to have fun with it before. It's that I my what I thought was fun was not fun. It was validation. You were on the treadmill. Absolutely. And that validation was not just an outward thing looking in, but a way of creating a sense of self-value as well. Am I doing cool enough shit? And does it look cool enough? Mm-hmm. That's exactly. so horrifying. Like now that I, in, in thinking about it for what it is, like it's so horrifying to me. <laughs> well, you know, like there's a phrase that gets thrown around about social media a lot. Recently, the highlight reel. I'm sure you've heard it. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, a highlight reel. I don't think that's exactly true. I, I think that uh, that's a component of some people what they do. But I think what we're really doing is we're curating an image. Sure. This is how I want to look. This is how I want this the world. Is, this to is see how me. I want the world to see me. Yeah, like this is who I want the world to think that I am. Right. Which might not include personal highlights. That's why I say. You know, the highlight reel thing is not exactly accurate because it doesn't apply to everything, but the image does. Mm, sure. like when, when they go to this page, I want them to think this. So that's what you, you know, like you see people doing it and they do it properly for a good effect. There's a reason for, um, you know, like if you're a model, obviously you want to put up the pictures where you look hot. Sure. Because that's the image you want to curate is I am an attractive model and you want to take my picture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's a good thing. That's a good use of that. But you know, if it's just your Instagram, mm-hmm. why are we why are we curating images of our personal selves? Like, I want my friends to think I'm cooler than I am. Like, it's literally your friends that are following. <laughs> sure. For the at least, yeah, for they the, know who you are, dude. Like they've yeah, they've seen you. They know you're Thomas, a dork. It's gonna be fine. Yeah, they know you're a huge dork. They know you eat ice cream out of the box. It's fine. Hmm. But I will say that there there is a secondary aspect of that and the, the fun aspect for me, right? Like I'm a photojournalist and I love photojournalism. Mm-hmm. So more often than not now, anytime you see something on my, my Instagram, it's probably going to be photojournalistic in nature, even if it's not entirely, you know, even, even if the image itself isn't purposeful that way, there's a sensibility to my images now that comes from an honesty about enjoying the, ask, the the process of being a photojournalist. Well, you, you're not necessarily carrying an image. You're making a statement. Yeah, absolutely. And those yeah, are that's a better way to put it, yeah. What you, the statement you're making is, this is what I believe in. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Huh, and, I've never heard someone put it that way. Thank you, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, uh, you know, like, it's muddy when we talk about, especially social media, because the things that are good, or I should say the things that are bad in some ways are also good. Sure. And that is a good way to make a statement about, you know, like you're, what you're saying is this is what I believe. And that's what you want to project out. That's not a bad thing. That's a very good thing. Mm-hmm. But first you have to understand what you believe. Oh yeah, sure. 
<laughs> some people don't. And that's that's not a judgment of them. Because no, of course not. I, I'm, the reason I don't want a social one, a personal one, is because I don't know what I want on it. And I don't want to be involved in all of that thought process because it's not important to me. Working on this, the random badassery one is important to me. That's a, it, So in a way, I'm making a statement by saying podcast is more important to me than my personal one. Mm-hmm. So I don't have one. So I, I'm doing the same thing in a way, I guess. I'm making a statement as well. That's, that is a good thing. But maybe that's the line too between statement and image. And if you get caught up in image, you lose the statement. Hmm. You know, like getting getting wrapped up in the wrapper and forgetting about the candy bar. Mm, candy. Mm, I know. I was like, mm, I have a. I would love a baby Ruth right now, mm, baby Ruth. I just, I just ate a handful of those mini um, peanut butter cups from Trader Joe's. Mm, peanut oh, butter cups are so the best. Good. I could eat. I can eat so many of those. If you left a box of those in front of me, I could literally eat them till they're gone. Hey, world out there, is there a peanut butter cup that's good, that's delicious, that's made with stevia instead of sugar? Please let us know because I would like to go and shove them in my mouth because I do. I'm trying to cut back on the sugar, so <laughs> but I love them. Uh, amazing. You and, you and I, our food obsessions are very similar. It's yeah. very good that we don't eat together very often. Yeah, we would just literally eat chocolate and pot stickers all the time. Mm-hmm. You know that's where I, I went to. I can eat. I, I literally can eat. I, and I'm sure you're the same way. If you stuck 30 pot stickers in front of me, if you gave me enough time, I could eat them all. Oh, yeah. I'd do it until like one was coming out of the other end and i keep pushing it in. <laughs> <laughs> I'd become like, a, you, know, those, you know, the Play-Doh factory where you had that lever thing. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Oh, that's so gross. Pot sticker I totally get it. I Pot sticker out. Pot st- or the other <laughs> way around. Vacancy for one? <laughs> oh, man. That's horrifying. Um, but I definitely feel like at some point... And I don't know how we haven't done that yet. Just go and get some pot stickers. We got to go do that. What we should do is go get pot stickers and then go to a baseball game. Oh, that's a good idea. Or if we go to a Giants game, we can go to Chinatown and get some of the best, best pot stickers in the world. I know a place. That's all. It's all they make, Chad. They don't do anything else. All they do is make pot stickers and there's like a line down the street. Do they have apartments above? Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course they all do. I need is a little cart to push myself around on after the first week. Perfect. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we are obviously veering off into random places. So our topic is done. That was a good one. That was, that was a very good one. Yeah, I liked that. I, it's because it's something that I've thought about before, but I've never vocalized that way. And only because it took me so long to get to it. And I, the idea has slowly been evolving into what it is now, which is the, the final realization um, as to how to do these things without making them become chores. So that's a really that's a really fine line. You can work, you can get right up to that line and enjoy something, and then just step over it without knowing it. Mm-hmm. It's like a, you know, like a like a Geiger counter. It's like the little arrow is just kind of shaking. Like, is it over the line? Is it not over the line? I can't tell. Keeps moving. Just keeps moving. Yeah. Ah, I'm 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 just gonna say out loud to everybody listening. I'm really enjoying these more focused episodes. I think they're more satisfying. Mm-hmm. You guys are too. So if you would like to support uh, me on the working on these shows, please go over to patreon.com forward slash holy productions where you get some bonus content. Lots of bonus content. I'm almost up to, I think, a hundred, almost at a thousand. 
Huh. Almost, up, almost up to 100 posts. And uh, you'll get bonus with the guests, bonus time with the guests. And the David Knight one, I think, was half hour. So uh, if you'd like to keep up with Mr. Lamb, where can they find you, sir? Uh, they can go to The Vacant Room on Instagram. I am there. And I have a new one that I'm going to be... I, it's kind of like your project. I haven't quite told anybody yet. Um, I found it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how you found it, by the way. I'm a ninja. Oh, you're you're ridiculous. But yeah, it's 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 in existence already. But I'm not promoting it yet because I'm not. I haven't quite figured out what it is yet. But it's getting there. Give it time. Give it I time. Give it time. I like you said. Organically. Yep. 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 Learning the lessons. Yep. Where that's all, that's all we do is screw up and learn and screw up and learn and screw up and learn. <laughs> and eat pot stickers. And eat pot stickers and apparently poop. <laughs> oh, God. It's like human centipede. It's so specific. Uh, if you guys want to follow Latte and look at pictures of my dog, I think he would enjoy that if he was a human. He's not, but I would enjoy it. He is uh, Latte Like the Drink, all one word on Instagram. And of course, you can follow Random Bedassery, all one word. On both Twitter and Instagram. Check out those quote things I was talking about. I did one already. And of course, the most important part for me to point out if you liked this episode or at least part of it, maybe you didn't like the poop talk. But if you liked everything up until that point, hit that star and overcast because we want to stay in most recommended. Or the competition there is stiff. It really is. And uh, share this episode with somebody if you enjoyed it. Start a conversation. And of course, if you are the most generous of souls, which so far nobody has been this generous. <laughs> such a fucked up thing to say. <laughs> uh, but it's the truth. Um, go over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review this show. Because maybe maybe one day we'll make it a new and noteworthy. Maybe. Oh, man. That'd be... We, we'll know we've made it. Yeah. At least a certain, a certain. I mean, I still enjoy the. I, I don't care if no one's listening. I'd still do this with you, um, but we'll know we we've, we've made it externally if that happens. If we get to one hundred reviews on this, is far away from where we are. We get to a hundred reviews or a hundred ratings. We'll go with hundred ratings. No, we need reviews. Hundred reviews. We will film a video of me, Tom, and Lamb. Latte will be there, but he won't be doing this. Stuffing ourselves with pot stickers until we're sick. Oh my god! Can we do? Have you seen um, Old Boy? Of course, I've seen both versions. Yeah, so the pot sticker thing. Mm-hmm. Like that's going to be the look on our faces after pot sticker number forty. Well, start getting to those reviews, people. <laughs> well, I sounded like Nick Nolte there. Mm. Oh, a little bit, yeah. Mm. Bye, bye, babies. Bye. <laughs>